All right, well, it's good to see you guys. Welcome to the 1130. Uh, you know, we're ex we are excited about our Feed SA campaign. It's our 10th anniversary. And uh, yeah, we hope we, we, we like break all of our records this year. But we are also excited about seeing people uh, get baptized, expressing their faith in Jesus, because that's why we exist. We exist so all people can believe and thrive in Jesus. And uh, baptism is, is like an important part of your spiritual journey and your relationship with Jesus Christ. It really marks the point in which you identify yourself with him. When, when you say, I believe, I believe he is the son of God. I believe he's risen from the dead. I believe he can give me eternal life and forgive my sins. And, uh, and it's an important step in your journey. It's also a point where it's like you say, you know what, I'm in. I'm going to try his way of life. I'm going to follow him with my life. And baptism is like that first step of following him. And, I, and I, as we were getting ready for baptisms next week, I wanted to say something because I, I know for some people, you really do take this seriously, and I'm glad you do because it's an important and a very serious step. But there's sometimes it's like, you know, you, you've been hanging, you believe, you believe, but you're sort of like, yeah, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to really step out. I'm not going to get my, my feet wet, so to speak. And, and so I was praying about that because, and I, because I do want to take this seriously. And I feel like the Lord gave me a word. And th this may be a word for someone here today or watching in the video cap or online. It's time. It's time for you to make this decision and identify yourself with Jesus. And so if you're ready to do that, if you know that's you, it's time, then you can sign up to get baptized or you can stop by the connection booth uh, as you leave or pavilion as you leave and get signed up. Now, as, uh, as Damaris said, this week we're kicking off a new series uh, for the summer. It's about the unexpected path to joy. And what's cool about this path to joy is it will enable you to feel joy no matter what. And so uh, as we begin this journey of uh, the summer together, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Are you a joyful person? What would people who know you say about you? You know, if I asked your kids or if I asked your spouse, your family, hey, your coworkers, would they say, oh, this person's a joyful person? And do you think you can be a joyful person? Do you believe you can feel joy? Do you believe you can feel joy no matter what? And what path are you on? What path have you taken to feel joy. Because I think most of us are motivated with an inner sense, an inner longing, a, a desire to feel joy. And that longing takes us down different paths in, in pursuit of joy. And sometimes it's more intuitive. You know, we just, we're intuitively going down certain paths to feel joy. And so let me give you some examples. So sometimes people go down the path of stuff, the path of stuff. And, and here's what, what, what drives that. We think, you know what? If I just had more stuff, or if I just had better stuff, I'd feel joy. And so we buy a new house, or we buy a new car, or we buy a new set of golf clubs, or we buy a new iPhone, or we buy a new TV, or we buy a new computer, or we buy new shoes, or a new set of clothes. Fill in the blank. What do you buy? All in an attempt to feel joy. Now, sometimes we go down the path of money. And what drives that is we think, you know what? If I just had more money, mm, I'd feel joy. And so we look for a new job where we can earn more money or we have better benefits or better retirement plan or we go get a second job and maybe even a third job because we think, man, if I just had more money, ooh, baby, I'd feel joy. Some of us go down the path of career in pursuit of joy. 
And so we go get another degree and we get another degree so we can get a new job or we can get a promotion at our job. Or we say, you know what? I'm tired of working for the man. I want to be the man. And so we start our own company. And we think, because you know what? I, you know, I want a job where I don't dread my job. I want a job where I'm excited about it. And if I was in charge, I'd be excited about it. And so you, you go start your own company, all in the pursuit of joy. And some of us pursue the path of pleasure. And so we're looking for the next party, the next bar, the next buzz, the next adrenaline rush. What gets your adrenaline flowing? Is it new video game? Is it, the, um, is it a new game for your app? Is it a new app for your phone? Or is it, a, uh, is it a new show on Netflix to Ben's watch? All in the pursuit. You think, man, if I could just sit and binge watch this show for two days, oh, I'd feel joy. <laughs> Come on. We've all been there. And then some of us are in the, on the path of self-improvement. We think, you know, you know why I don't feel joy? Because I stink, man. And so we, we start working out. Or we lose some weight, get on a diet, you know, we lose weight. Or, or, or we go get a nose job. Or we go get hair plugs or whatever. We think, man, because if I, if I just look better when I looked in the mirror, man, then I feel some joy. And then some of us, we're on the path of relationship. We think, you know why I don't feel joy? It's all these people in my life, man, they really stink. And so we, we think we, we need a new guy. Or we need a new girl. Or we think, you know, it's my spouse, man. I need a new one of them. I need a better <laughs> model. Or, or you know what else? And we think, well, you know, we, we need a kid. We need a baby. A baby would just make everything better. <laughs> Y'all have babies, don't you? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing inherently you know, wrong with m- many of these paths. But will changing our circumstances truly bring us the joy we all crave? And if... if Changing our circumstances is what brings us joy. If, if our joy is dependent upon our circumstances, then guess what? Your joy will always be dependent upon your circumstances. And you don't control your circumstances. But what if there's a way, a path, where you can feel joy that's unrelated to your circumstances? What if there's a path you can take where if you're on this path, you can feel joy no matter what? Well, for the next nine weeks, we're going to study, study the ancient letter, an ancient letter written uh, and that it's reco- uh, c- recorded in the Christian scriptures, and it's called Philippians. And this letter to Philippian believers unpacks how they could feel joy no matter what. And so one of our practices here at City Church <coughs> is every year, if we can, we try to either study through a letter in the scriptures or a book in the scriptures uh, because I think it's a, it's a good tradition, it's a good practice, because if it, it, I think it grounds our faith uh, in the roots of our faith, and it forces us to wrestle with some issues, some real-life issues that all people in all times and all places have to wrestle with. And in this letter, we're going to wrestle with uh, the path, the unexpected path to joy. And so, as we do this study this summer, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to, if, if you're here, get here. You know what I mean? This, this, is, this study is going to matter, and each week is going to build upon the previous week. Now, I know that summer, you know, June, July is a time when people travel and take vacation. You know, your pastor's not saying don't take any vacation. But I'm saying when you're on vacation, uh, keep up. You know, what, like watch the service. You can go to city.church slash watch. Or if you want to watch it live, you can watch on our City, city Church Facebook page. 
and keep up and catch up. And because a part of what we're going to do with this study is we've got a reading plan so that we can all read through this letter together. And we're going to give you five devotionals each week where you, we can all go through these devotionals and really, really get deep in this letter. And we're going to give you some discussion que- or questions where you can either like use them for discussion in your family uh, or in your circle of friends, or you can just use them as reflection in your own life. And so I'm really excited about this study because I believe it's going to give you a renewed vision for your life. I believe this study will help you gain a sense of meaningfulness in your life because there is a difference. There is a difference between having fun and experiencing joy. There's a difference between merely surviving in life and thriving in life. There's a difference between making a living and making a life. And in this series, I hope to inspire you to make a life. You see, you matter. You're here for a reason. God has wired you to make an impact in this life. And in this series, I hope to convince you that. That you matter, that you can make a difference, and that you can uniquely make this world a better place. All right, so you ready? We're going we're gonna to start at the beginning of Philippians. Let me sort of set up this letter for you. So the Apostle Paul wrote this letter uh, to believers living in the city of Philippi. And the city of Philippi is in what we would call modern-day Greece. I think we have a map of it. Yeah, there it is. And you see Asia Minor is like Turkey. And then there's uh, Greece. And so Philippi was a city. Paul went there. Uh, planted a church there, and so now he's writing to believers in the church in Philippi, and Paul at this time is actually in prison. He has been in prison for his faith. He is literally in chains, sitting in the city of Rome, awaiting trial, and he writes to these believers who now are starting to experience some hard circumstances, some difficult circumstances. They were facing religious discrimination because of their belief in Jesus, and some of them were facing persecution because of their faith, just like Paul was facing persecution. And what's interesting is in this letter, Paul uses the word, the words either rejoice or joy 12 times in this short letter. And so I think he wants us to get this joy thing and know that Paul understood what it meant to experience joy unrelated to your circumstances. Because when Paul became a believer in Jesus as an adult, He soon became a leader within the church movement, but as a leader, he faced persecution in some pretty hard circumstances. Let me give you a few examples. So as a leader of the church, Paul was beaten with rods three times, three different occasions. And he was whipped 39 times with lashes, five times. That's 195 lashes. And Paul three times was stoned, and not the kind that makes you feel good. Oh, I know you people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The kind that makes you feel bad. And then Paul, (laughs) Paul experienced a physical ailment. We don't know what it was, but he called it his thorn in the flesh. And he prayed that God would release him. I mean, Paul prayed and healed other people, but he couldn't get healing himself. And he had to endure that. And then, as I said, Paul, as he's writing this letter, is literally in prisons, in chains, because of his faith. But you know what he had? He had joy. He felt joy. So how could Paul feel joy with all of these unhappy circumstances that I've just described? I think Paul has something to say to us about this issue. 
and we discover it in the letter to Philippians. You ready? Let's start. This is Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse (coughs) 4. Paul writes, Uh, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now, did did you catch what Paul is saying there? Paul, even though he was in chains, he felt joy because he was living his purpose. He knew his purpose in life and he was living it. And it wasn't like he was trying to fake himself out. Like, he acknowledged the the bad circumstances. He acknowledged that he was in chains and he was was being persecuted. He acknowledged that. So, So experiencing joy is not about faking yourself out, you know, like trying to make you feel like your bad circumstances aren't bad. That's not what he was doing. He acknowledged his bad circumstances, but he felt joy because he could see how he was living his purpose. And that caused him to get perspective. It's it's the purpose perspective. When you live your purpose, you have this perspective on life where where you can even see how certain bad circumstances you face serve a greater purpose. And so it gives you a sense of perspective as you interpret your life. And so I want us to get this. Joy is not the absence of, of suffering or trials in life. Joy is not the absence of hardships or difficulties or challenges that we will face. But you can experience joy that is unrelated to your circumstances because whatever circumstances you face, and this is what Paul is experiencing, if you experience God's, Paul calls it God's grace or God's presence with you in your circumstances, good or bad, that gives you an inner sense of joy. And Paul had that. And then he cast vision for the Philippians to uh, have that sense of purpose as well. So I'm going to go back to what he wrote because I want us to really see this. This is uh, verse 6 where Paul wrote, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He's casting vision for the Philippians to live their purpose. And this is what he's telling them and through them he's telling us. God has a good work for you. God has a good work for you. God has a good work for you. And as you live that good work, as you live your purpose and you bring it to completion, that's when you begin to live your purpose and you will experience joy unrelated to your circumstances. Okay? I want us to get this. Pursuing and completing your purpose is the unexpected path to joy. And this truth is why this year our goal as a church, this whole, our, our vision for this whole year is about helping our people, helping all of us become a people who live our purpose. And it's why we're going through this study this summer. This is that important. I want all of us to become a people who live with purpose because you exist for a reason. You are not an accident. Whether your parents planned you or not, God has a plan for you. He has a good work, right? That's what Paul said. He has a good work for you. He has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life, and you can live it. And he has uniquely wired you with gifts and abilities and talents and passions 
to make this world a better place. You matter. You can make a difference. And God has uniquely placed you in this time, in this time in human history, and wherever you live, wherever you live and work and play and live out your life, he's placed you there for a reason. He has a purpose for your life, and you can live it. And as you live your purpose, you will discover a new way, a new path for experiencing joy. Living with purpose, it provides meaning in life. It gives you a sense of clarity when you're making decisions in your life. And and get this, living with purpose, it will allow you to bring more positive energy into your relationships because when you're living with purpose, it it, it gives you a different perspective on life and on your relationships. It also gives you an ability, when you live with purpose, you will achieve more than you ever thought possible. And when you live with purpose, it will give you an inner strength that will empower you to withstand almost any hardship you face in life. Now, there's a certain motivation that will lead us to discover and live our purpose. And Paul uh, uh, unveils this in the next part of his letter. Okay, so this is chapter 1, verse 9, where Paul writes, (coughs) And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so you may be able to discern what is best, what is best for your life, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness. He's talking about a fruitful life now. You got the picture? It's a fruitful life. And that comes through Jesus Christ the glory, uh, to the glory and praise of God. And so here's what Paul prayed. This is, this is what the motivation for the purposeful life, and that is that we would grow in love. Love is the key driving motivation for the purposeful life. Not joy. Isn't that interesting? Love is the fuel that drives the purpose life. Joy is the outcome. It's what you feel as you live with purpose. You see the difference? Love is what fuels it. Love is what motivates the purpose life. And then joy is the emotion you feel as a result of living the purposeful life. And and this is why it's so important because it will take, for you to live your purpose, it will take love. Because love will drive you It will drive you beyond the cost of living your purpose. It will drive you beyond the risk it takes to live your purpose. It will drive you beyond the sacrifices you will need to make to live your purpose. That's why love is crucial to living with purpose. And so that's why when Jesus was on the earth and he started this movement he called the church, he gave us only one commandment. Isn't that interesting? He didn't give us a hundred commandments. Could have done that. In fact, he didn't even give us 10 commandments. Did you know that? We're not not under the 10 commandments. We're under the one commandment. It's hard to forget that, right? And you know what the one commandment is? Love. This is what Jesus said. A new commandment I give to you, love one another as I love you. Okay, now that, that takes love to a new level. And that's why love is so important to living with purpose. Because how did Jesus love? Jesus' love drove him to serve. Jesus' love drove him to live with compassion for the poor and the oppressed. Jesus' love led him to heal the sick, led him to feed the hungry. And Jesus' love ultimately led him and drove him to give away his life so that we could have eternal life. And that's the ultimate uh, reason why love is so powerful and so profound, but it's also a part of what drives us in an unexpected way. 
When Jesus started this movement he called the church, he wanted us to continue the movement by loving others the way he loves us. And according to Paul, the purposeful life is motivated by this kind of love. And this kind of love is unexpected. This kind of love is counterintuitive because true love is not about what you get. True love is about what you give away. All right? And that's, that's how it complements the purposeful life. And that's why this is an unexpected path to joy. Purpose is an unexpected path to joy because it's driven by love. And love will lead us to live a selfless and sacrificial life as we give away our lives in service of others. Am I messing with you? That's what I'm supposed to do. But when you let your life become fueled by love and when you live your purpose, you'll experience the life that is truly life. You'll move beyond making a living. You'll make a life. And you'll be able to feel joy no matter what. And that's what the Apostle Paul experienced himself. So now he's going to use himself as an example to like, give us a picture about living with purpose. This is uh, verses 12 and 13 and 18. He writes, Now I want you to know, brothers uh, and sisters, that what has happened has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard. So he's, he's, uh, this is the palace guard in, in imp- the emperor's This is where Caesar Caesar is, okay? So he's in Rome. So the whole palace guard, where Caesar is. Uh, It's uh, become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. I know I am put here for the defense of the gospel. He knows his purpose in life, and he's living it. I am in chains, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Okay, now think about it. Paul, Paul is writing. He's sitting in chains in prison for his faith. But he said, hey, I rejoice. And I continue to rejoice because he, had, he has the purpose perspective. Did you catch what he was saying? He was saying, look, you know, I would love to have, had, have an audience with the Caesar, you know, with the emperor of Rome, and to tell him about Jesus and to tell the people that work with him about Jesus. And how did he get there so he could do it? in prison, in chains, but he had this perspective. How awesome is this? I'm influencing people who talk to the emperor of Rome, and I'm telling them about Jesus. And so you know what? He felt joy because he was living his purpose. And he could see how even his difficult circumstances was serving a greater purpose, which was God's purpose. And he could see how his purpose was fulfilling God's purpose. And because Paul lived with purpose, he felt joy no matter what. And that's what I want for you. As your pastor, I want to help you live with this kind of purpose. I believe it will empower you to feel joy no matter what. And so I want to get clear about what I mean by living your purpose. Okay, so what does it take? Living your purpose means recognizing who God created you to be and then doing what he created you to do. Recognizing who God created you to be, and then doing what he created you to do. Now, I want to distinguish living with purpose from some similar kind of activities, but they're different. So I want to distinguish living with purpose from busyness. Because here's what, I I don't want you to leave uh, this service and think, okay, pastor, 
Pastor Brent wants me to get busy. I need to just have more activities in my life. Uh, living with purpose is different than busyness because you know what happens sometimes in our lives? We, we had more and more activities, more and more things, more and more stuff to do because we were all hoping that if I, if, I just have an, if I just have enough stuff to do, then maybe I'll feel like I'm living with purpose. Living with purpose is different than busyness. In fact, when you live your purpose, you will probably declutter your life and you will need to say no to other activities so you can spend more effort and energy on the things that matter most. So living with pur- purpose is not busyness and living with purpose is not the same as being successful. Now, there's nothing wrong with being successful. I hope you're all successful. But successful is about achievement. It's about gaining stature or education or money or power. And sometimes, I've seen this, sometimes the most miserable people are people who are successful and yet still feel empty, purposeless, and depressed. What I mean by living your purpose is recognizing who God created you to be and then doing what he created you to do, that only you can do. And when you do that, you'll make a life. You'll move beyond making a living. You'll make a life, and you'll be able to feel joy no matter what. And that's why this living with purpose stuff matters. And so that's why our vision at City Church is to help you live your purpose. We believe God has uniquely created you as a unique person in a unique time in human history to make a unique impact in our world. And we want to help you do that. And so we've created a program that we think can help you, you know, move along the way. It's called the Purpose Path. And it's it's a one-day training. (coughs) And a part of this training is to help you, it's it's the two parts of purpose, help you uh, recognize who God created you to be. So we're going to help you understand your unique personality, your unique spiritual gifts. And if you're not familiar with that term, we'll talk to you about what spiritual gifts are. They're gifts that God gives to us through his spirit. And then your unique passions, what really drives you and motivates you in life. And, and, and it doesn't have to be the same for everybody. And so w- through, the, through the program, we'll go through some exercises to help you uncover that and identify that, recognize who God created you to be, so you can then do what God created you to do. And so we'll give you some steps to take as you try to do some things that fit who you are. And this is what I've learned about trying to figure out what you're supposed to do, like your purpose, uh, is it takes time and it takes trying stuff. You just have to step out and try stuff. And you may try some stuff in, in an attempt to live your purpose that you try and you just have to be honest and say, you know, I don't think, I don't think this fits, you know, what God has for me. And it's okay. You try stuff until you find the right stuff. And when you find the right stuff, you'll have a sense You'll have a sense of God's blessing and, and, and of, of your sense of, of fulfillment and, and your ability to feel joy no matter what your circumstances are. Now, uh, uh, a part of what I, what I shared with uh, everybody last week, if you weren't here, I talked a little bit about where we're going as a church. Part of uh, our vision uh, of our little part of the movement Jesus started, and it came from a strategy that, that uh, Jesus employed. And so Jesus went up on a mountain one day, spent the night in prayer. He was starting this movement, and when he came down from the mountain, he identified certain people, and then he asked them to be with him so they could learn how to do what he did, and then he sent them out to do what he did, sent them out away. And by doing that, Jesus multiplied his movement. I mean, think about it. So Jesus comes to the earth, he starts a movement, and then he leaves. 
Well, his intent all along was to multiply his movement through ordinary people who did extraordinary things by continuing his movement and living their purpose. And so that was his strategy. He multiplied the movement, and that's our strategy at City Church as well. Our, our calling is to multiply this movement. And we're going to do it the same way. We're going to identify people, uh, leaders, gifted leaders, who feel called to multiply this church movement. And we're going to invite them to be with us. We're going to train them and help them understand who God created them to be. And then we're going to send them to plant more churches. And then we're going, and we're going to support them along the way. That's what you do to, to help people get started well. And, and then we're going to birth them as churches, uh, continuing this movement. You see, City Church is an island of grace in the sea of humanity. What people are attracted, like, like we, don't do a, we don't do everything great here at City Church, but there's one thing I think we've gotten right. We've created a grace culture. I, I call it an island of grace. And folks, that is what people are hungry for. People really do want to experience God's grace in his presence. And in stewarding that, we want to we spread that. We want to have more islands. Because Okay, and I, I said this last week. Can we just be honest? San Antonio people don't like to drive very far to go to church. I mean, we'll drive far to go to a Spurs game. We'll drive far to get good barbecue. But we won't drive far to go to church. And you know, instead of fighting it, we just said, okay, then let's start more of these islands of grace. And so that's what we're going to do. But that's going to take hundreds and hundreds of us stepping up, living our purpose, not only to fulfill what we're called to do right here on Bandera Road in serving our community like this Feed SA campaign, but to plant more of these grace islands all around San Antonio. And I believe, uh, oh, oh and, and, and so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> Almost forgot. Okay. First, I think to live your purpose, you have to believe in something beyond yourself. You have to be willing to live for something beyond yourself that's not about yourself and not always for yourself. That's a part of what Paul was able to do. That's a part of what the Philippians were doing. They were living for some stuff beyond themselves that wasn't about themselves, it was about others. And then secondly, you have to believe in you. You will never live your purpose if you don't believe about you what God believes about you. And I say that because I know some of you have experienced some painful uh, encounters in your life, experiences in your life where people spoke negative words that tore you down and made you feel bad about yourself or maybe you experienced some painful uh, circumstances that hurt you and you've not been able to get beyond it. You're not going to be able to live your purpose until you believe about you what God believes about you. And so part of our role as followers of Jesus and, and me as your pastor is to inspire you to believe about you, the awesome you that you are in God's sight. And if you can get there where you can really believe that, that you are an awesome you, that now you're positioned to live with purpose because now you're looking up and you're seeing how your purpose fits within God's purpose. All right? And that is what the Apostle Paul did. The Apostle Paul, it's so amazing. If you go back and read his story in, in the, the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul would go into cities like Philippi and he would tell them about Jesus, and as people believed in Jesus, then he would say, okay, you, 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 you. And he would teach them about their spiritual gifts. He would train them, and then he would just leave. He would just go on and plant more churches. He entrusted the whole movement to ordinary people who became extraordinary 
as they live their purpose. And that's what I'm calling you to do. But, but please remember, Paul didn't start out there. When we first come across Paul's story in the scriptures, he was on a different path. The path that Paul was on was the one of prestige and power and, and influence. And he had a lot of money. And he had a lot of influence in his culture. But you know what he had along with it? He was self-righteous. He was judgmental. He was bitter. He was angry. And he was violent. And while he was literally walking on, a, on that path, walking on a road to the city of Damascus, Jesus appeared to him. And when Paul met Jesus, it changed him at the core of his being. And if you go back and read the account in Acts 9, this is what Jesus said to him. Paul, get up and go into the city, and I'm going to tell you what you must do. In other words, Jesus cast vision to Paul that he had a purpose for his life. And when Paul believed in Jesus and believed in his purpose, it changed him. In some ways, he lost everything. He lost his job, he lost his status, his position, and he lost a lot of money and the, the means of making it. But you know what he had? Sitting in prison, in chains, he had joy. And that's what I want for you. He had joy no matter what. I'm calling you. Don't settle for merely surviving. I'm calling you to thrive. Don't settle for making a living. Make a life. And you will feel joy no matter what. Let's pray together. Lord, first I pray for those who do believe in you. They, they know that you are the son of God. They believe that. They know they're, they're God's children. They're secure in their faith. My prayer is that you would stir within them uh, a hunger and a thirst and, and give, give them discernment to sense what you believe about them, who you believe they are, and let them be able to believe that and to embrace that and to feel that. And then, Lord, my prayer is as they step out and seek to live with purpose, I pray that you would give them a sense of direction and guidance and hum both humility but also faith <laughs> to do that. And so I pray that you would bless them as they seek to live their purpose. But maybe, maybe you're like the Apostle Paul. You haven't believed yet. In fact, maybe you've been fighting God. Well, today I invite you to stop fighting and to believe. And if you're ready to believe in Jesus, I'm going to lead you in praying a prayer. I'm going to say it out loud. You can just whisper it along with me, but let it be the expression of your faith and your desire. Are you ready? God, I believe in you. And I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sins. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to make me your child. Thank you, Lord. And then, Lord, I ask you to do what you promised you would do. You said if we would believe in your son that you would forgive us of our sins. And so my prayer is that, that you would right now just lift the burden of guilt that anyone has for their sins, remove every stain, and let us sense that we are now forgiven. And I ask that you would fill us with your spirit. That's what you said you would do. To seal within our hearts that we are your children. And from this point forward, we can call the living God 
our Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, 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 yeah.